I don't know if you've heard of Brent Price. Do you know who Brent Price is? Brent, Brent Price uh, is a few years older than me. He grew up in Enid, Oklahoma. He uh, was a really great basketball player, one of the best to come out of our state, actually. And uh, um, uh, he, he's just a really um, interesting guy. He, uh, uh, his son played tennis against my son, and, and I, I, I had him come and speak to some of our students years ago. And, um, and uh, Brent was just, uh, uh, he was a great story. He talked about his, the first time he played the Chicago Bulls. His coach looked at him and said, you got Michael Jordan today. Can you imagine that? Like, can you imagine going, all right, no problem. And, uh, and he, he said that, that, that when, he, when he was, Michael Jordan was guarding him, and his first shot that he took was a three-pointer, and he made it. If I made a three-pointer on Michael Jordan, I think I would retire at that moment right there. Um, but he said, uh, he, he would tell me, he said, you know, Chris, the, the, really, the reason I played in the NBA, I was really good at defense. Yeah, I was just a defensive, I just was good at that. And, and, uh, and so his, when he guarded Michael Jordan, they, after the end of the game, they said, that was really, man, great game today. You played incredible defense. Michael Jordan only scored 36 points that day. And uh, so it was just kind of fun. But I had him come speak to our students, a group of boys, and, and they were wanting to be basketball players and, and striving for that. And, and Brent said to, to these boys, how many of you want to play in the NBA? And all of them were like, oh, I want to play in the NBA. That'd be awesome. And then he said, well, uh, let me tell you about that. I, I had to shoot 1,000 jump shots a day. How many of you want to shoot 1,000 jump shots a day? And they were like, that sounds like a lot. How long did that take you? They, they would just talk about it. But, but he, he talked about the reason, one of the reasons that he played in the NBA is that he did some key things daily. He did the right things daily. We're in the series called Everyday Disciples. You know, there's a lot of people that want to make a difference for the Lord and want to serve the Lord well. But, it's, but in order to serve the Lord well, uh, in order to serve the Lord faithfully, it's what you do every day that, that strengthens you empowers you. And it's, the, and, and it's these spiritual disciplines that we're called to and as everyday disciples, as followers of Christ every day. And it's why we're, we're, I want to challenge you to jump into the Word every day. We need the Word every day. That's why if you're visiting today, we, one of the things we're doing this year is we are reading through the Bible together. We're pushing one another to do that. And, and I would challenge you to, to jump in where we are. We're in, a, we're in two very interesting parts of Scripture right now as a church. We're, we're going through, the, in our Old Testament, we're in the book of Job. And in the New Testament, we're in the book of Acts. And in those moments, I I think it's important to pay attention to where we are today because, um, you know, those are two parts of Scripture that that really help us process how to serve the Lord when things get tough. And as I look at the world right now, there's some tensions in the world, growing tensions. Um, We're seeing the Bible unfold before our eyes. There's there's some tough things ahead for, for us. And, and, you know, I think it's important for us to learn to trust the Lord in all circumstances. We just sang that song, Great is your faithfulness to me, O Lord. And I will put my trust in Jesus. He'll, it's like an anchor in the ground. 
And that's true. Um, but what about those moments when you pray and God doesn't answer a prayer like you expected? What about those moments that, that when you pray and it doesn't seem like it worked? Maybe God didn't hear us. Um, you know, that's what Acts 12 helps us process today. That's where we are in Acts chapter 12. But before we jump into that text, can I challenge, I want to challenge us to learn to pray. You know, um, Marcus Penner, who's a, a member of our church, he's been here several years now, uh, he said something that was absolutely brilliant uh, as he was joining our church. And in fact, no one had ever asked me that before, that what he asked me. And I, and, and I just want to say to you, if you ever find yourself looking for a church put this into practice because it's, a, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible wisdom. He, he said to me, he goes, as we were talking about joining our church, he was talking about it. He goes, he goes look, I've decided I'm never going to join a church until I find out what that church is praying for. I would challenge you to put that into practice in your life. If you ever find yourself in need of a church, do not join a church until you discover what that church is praying for. Because that's going to tell you a lot. And I want you to know, you can find out what we're praying for. Every Wednesday at noon, this prayer guide goes out. And, uh, and I hope you get it. You can sign up for that. You get it to your inbox. Every, it'll be emailed to you every, every week at noon. Or you can find it on our app. There's a, there's a prayer guide that we have. And on that prayer guide, there's a pattern that I want to challenge you to. And I want you to write the word pray, P-R-A-Y. You just consider that. And uh, the word pray, it's a way to remember it. I want us to learn to pray because I would argue that some, some of us, if you're really honest about your prayer life, you pray at dinner. It's fine to pray for your food. But, but, but I want you to recognize God's calling us to learn to really engage the Lord and learn to pray, to be a church that prays. So as you, a pattern in prayer is, think of the word pray, and, and the, the, the P stands for praise. That's a moment where you praise the Lord for who He is and what He's done, for His glory, for His, for his, uh, his, his, his power, His presence. Um, uh, that's a good way to start by praying. Lord, I'm going to praise you for a while. You'll find that if you really sit down and go, okay, I'm going to praise the Lord for a little bit, um, you'll engage the Lord more effectively. The R, repentance. That, that's a good posture to, every, to, to engage the Lord significantly, to, to consider repenting. And, and, and we ought to be quick to repent, quick to go to the Lord with our sin, and quick to say, Lord, I, look, I, here's where I've fallen short. I want to bring that to you today. That's a good practice in prayer of taking some time to repent. Then A is ask. That's when you ask the Lord, Lord, here's the requests I bring to you. Here's what I want to bring to you today. And, and those requests are, are plentiful. There's all kinds of things that we need to pray for. Like for Robin and I, we've been um, praying for our kids and praying for our grandchildren now. And, 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 you know, we pray for our church and people in our church. And, and so learning to pray is so, learning to ask the Lord for things. And we should ask specifically. And I want to challenge you to consider specific requests to God. And then the why is yield. Great practice to yield to the Lord, to yield to His will, to yield to His voice, to yield to His Holy Spirit. And this is what it looks like to engage the Lord in prayer. And that's a practice I want to encourage you to, to, to consider. As, like even today, before you go to bed tonight, 
you ought to take some time and say, Lord, I'm going to go through these, each of these four things and really pray. You know, for most people, prayer, um, it's really not that important. Because if you look at their practices, they don't really practice prayer. And I think that when you really learn to pray, you, you begin to engage the Lord like never before. And I would argue that for us as a church, like I said last week, it is time to be bold in our walk with the Lord. It's time to serve the Lord. The world desperately needs to see a group of people that are authentically following Jesus. And when I look at the tensions in front of us, we've, we must not be a people that fails to pray. Acts chapter 12. Let's look at this. Stand with me. And let's, we're going to read verses, I think, 1 through 4 or 5. And uh, then we're going to look at this entire passage in Acts chapter 12. And, and let's pay attention this morning. Because in this passage, I think we get a real glimpse of what effective prayer looks like. And what it should look like among us as a church. Acts chapter 12. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, let's, let's look at this. And then I think this is a really important moment to pay attention to the Spirit of God today as we consider what it looks like to pray. Look at verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. You see some characters there. There's Herod. Uh, who is, who's Herod? I'll tell you who he is. He's the, great, he's the grandson of Herod the Great. You've heard of Herod the Great. Uh, Herod the Great was the guy that when Jesus was born that the wise men went to and uh, then he went and issued that decree to kill those babies in Nazareth. That was the great grandfather of this Herod. Um, and that was, he wasn't a good guy. Uh, this, this, is, this is the one who followed Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas was the guy, he was the Herod that, that cut off John the Baptist's head. Remember that story when right as Jesus was starting his public ministry, um, Herod Antipas was, uh, uh, um, was the one that did that. This, this Herod is the, the grandson of, of Herod the Great, son of Herod Antipas, and, and um, he followed Herod Antipas. He was popular with the Jews according to the Bible uh, what it says right here in the passage. The Jews liked him, which was remarkable, but it's the case. Uh, who was the James here? James was the first apostle to be martyred. James is the brother of John. John, Peter, James, and John, 
the three, clo- the, the, the three closest to Jesus. We're going to study in 2024. We're going to go through the Gospel of John together. And, and this is John's brother, James, the first martyr. Um, and and let's, let's consider this. He was one of those closest to Jesus. Consider what the church had to have felt in this moment. They, they had to have been, th- this was crushing. Um, this, this was a hammer blow to the church. Because here they were trying to serve the Lord. And, and, and it's interesting to me that God gives one sentence about the death of James. And think how we would feel if one of our staff members that have served our, served, served our church well is killed publicly for their faith. Think how the church had to have felt here. The fear that had to have been, been going on. Think about, think about how they would be led to pray. Think how they could have felt like, well, God didn't answer the prayer for James. He just got killed by the sword. Think of the tension here of, of I'm going to put my trust in Jesus even though I can't see where he's working. Do you, you realize that there are times that we will put our faith in Christ in moments that we can't see where his hand is at work. And, and, and I think that, that this is an interesting moment in the life of the church because you could argue that, that uh, God said no to the prayers of deliverance for James. Did you realize that God never promised that he would answer prayers according to our will? He, that that there, there are times that we will experience the will of God and not understand it. We don't always get the answer we want when we pray, and I think we see this in this passage. Sometimes we pray for people and they die. Sometimes we go through experiences of God's protection and we see a supernatural protection, and then sometimes we see moments that God didn't allow a supernatural protection from our seat. Um, sometimes we face tough moments. And, and it's mysterious because we understand that God's ways are not always our ways. And, and this is why we are taught to pray by Jesus, God, your kingdom come and your will be done. Because we're learning as we walk with the Lord, as we become an everyday disciple, as we trust the Lord through the highs and lows, as we, as we embrace the, the culture that we're in, the times that we live, as we look ahead as Christians, as followers of Jesus that are standing on the Word of God and look at the, the real reality of difficult days in front of us. You know, there's so many things we see here as we allow the Bible to shape our thinking. Um, as we come to grips with God's plan being a better plan than our plan. That God's purposes being better than our purposes. This is what the church had to have been feeling. Because James was killed by the sword. You know, we recognize that some things about the, the, we put our trust in Jesus. He's an anchor in the ground. 
What does his word say? We, we know from his word that, that we recognize that God has determined our days on the earth. For every one of us, God has determined our days. We, we see this in Hebrews 9.27, that just as is appointed for a man once to die, and after that come judgment. We see it in Psalm 139.16, where it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, uh, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was not one of them, that God has ordained our days from the, from the beginning to the end. We've learned to trust the Lord in all of this. And spiritual growth helps us put death in the right perspective, even as we grieve as a church, even as we wrestle through. Uh, Justin, your, your incre- Cheryl, your incredible husband going to be at the Lord just a few days ago. As we wrestle through things like, like, look, we came together as a church in this room and gathered together and, and prayed for God to heal Harrison. And though he was in the first service today, sitting in the back in a wheelchair, things are difficult right now. And, and God doesn't seem to be answering the, the prayers like we expect. Spiritual growth helps us put life and death in the right perspective. Spiritual maturity helps us embrace the will of God. And like the disciples, I think we should remember Jesus' words recorded in Mark chapter 10. When his disciples looked at him and said, we want to follow you, Jesus. We're going to follow you no matter what. Jesus, we will follow you. His disciples said that. In Mark 10, 39, it says, and they said to him, we are able And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. So I can imagine the the early church going, well, Jesus prepared us for this. And I want us to recognize Jesus prepared us for the, the race that we run, the times that we live. And this is why I pray we are a church that learns to pray. Look at what happened. Look at verse 3. And, and so Herod is, is uh, he has killed John by the sword. And, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. It's interesting as you look at this text because Herod, this is this powerful guy, but he seems awfully scared of Peter. Yeah, I mean, he arrested, he killed John. Everybody's excited about it. Or killed James, excuse me. Everybody was excited about it. Then, then he arrests Peter, but he puts 16 guards around him. I, I can imagine Herod going, man, these Christians are spooky. Okay, we gotta, we're going we're gonna to keep this dude. Okay, we are going to secure this guy uh, I mean, we're going to do it right. Look how nervous he is. Herod seems awfully nervous to me. Verse 5, so Peter was kept in prison. And notice this, and this is so very important to recognize from the text. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Think about what, like, what comes to your mind when you think of earnest prayer? That's not, Lord, thank you for this food. Let's eat. That's not what earnest prayer is. Earnest prayer is, uh, is, Lord, we are seeking your face. 
Lord, we are coming to you. Lord, we are seeking you every day. Lord, we're going to allow your presence and your word to shape what we think today and every day. We're going to allow your spirit to guide us and to correct us and lead us. Lord, we're looking to you because we need you right now. That's earnest prayer. And And you know what you see in this passage that I think is so very important for us to catch, especially as we look at tension around us, and it's simply this, everyday disciples learn to pray. And I would say to you, it is time for us to learn to pray and not just be flippant about our prayer life, that that we as a church are to push one another to learn to pray, to engage the Lord in prayer. And I would argue that, that This is something that needs to grow among us. That that as as followers of Jesus, the world needs to see, in light of the tensions around us, the world needs to see a group of people in Owasso, Oklahoma, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, that are really seeking the Lord in prayer. We need to be a praying church. We need to learn to pray. So when I think about that, there must be urgent prayer. We need the Lord. You need the Lord today. And these tensions that we see are are great reminders. Lord Jesus, we need you. There must be sincere prayer. We've got to not forget that the spiritual battle is often physical. There's a physical reality to the spiritual battle in the world. And and we've got to be sincere in our prayer life. There must be communal prayer. That that means we need to pray with each other. We need to pray with our people and, and, and with our church. And this is why I think it's important for church not to be a spectator sport. It's, uh, I heard that old saying a long, long time ago uh, this week, and I don't remember who said it, but he said, um, many of our churches are like a football game. There's, there's just a few people on the field uh, in desperate need of rest while there's a whole crowd in desperate need of exercise, right? And... And I want us to recognize our call to pray. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, this is an incredible verse. Let us consider how we may stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And folks, let me tell you, we are living at a time where we see the day drawing near. And this is why it's not a time to be distant from his church. It's not a time to be flippant about our faith. It's not a time to be casual Christians. Let me tell you, like I said last week, it is time for us to be bolder than we've ever been, more focused than we've ever been, more faithful than we've ever been. We've got to learn to pray. And God moves us to pray, and he leads us to pray. And we must not pray, act, pay, pray passively. We must pray actively. It's like the lesson I learned a long time ago. If this offends you, sorry. Uh, but, uh, but I like to deer hunt. My son and I deer hunt. And, and uh, we, we, I didn't grow up hunting. And, and when he was 10, we had been hunting a couple of times, and we had not gotten a deer. And so uh, we were, he was young, and we're in a deer stand. And, and, you know, we have not gotten a deer. And I said, hey, let's pray for God to send us a deer that needs to go. Let's ask the Lord for that. So literally, we're sitting in this deer stand. Maybe we were talking too much. That's why we didn't find any deer. But, um, but still, we prayed, Lord, send us a deer that needs to go. 
And I had this rule that uh, Eric had a gun and a, shot, uh, a rifle, and I wouldn't let him put, put the gun on fire. He had to keep the safety on until we saw the deer. But I said, we're going to pray that God sends us a deer. And we did. And as soon as we finished praying, he said, Dad, can I put the gun on fire now? And I said, no, you can't. Uh, you have to wait till we see one. But you know what it reminded me of? He was young. He was 10. It reminded me of that, of the power of having the faith like a child. We get older and we complicate things so much and we forget the, we forget the fact that God can be trusted, that God leads us to pray. And when you pray, expect God to respond and get ready for it. And I learned a lesson from my son at 10 when he was 10. Look at verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries sentries before the door were guarding the prison. I think it's important to recognize the church is praying. And notice this, Peter's sleeping. Would you sleep? I mean, I mean, Peter, let's, let's think about what he was feeling. James had just been killed by the sword by the very guy that arrested him. And now it's the night before he's going to be brought out before everybody. I guarantee you Peter's thinking, well, it's been a good run. Uh, but I don't think there was much hope for Peter. I don't think Peter had a lot of hope of survival right here. But notice this. He was sleeping. Would you sleep? Or would you be like, up being worried. I think it's notable that he slept. He got some rest. It shows his faith in the Lord. He knew that Jesus said, you're going to drink my cup. Peter's like, I'm ready to drink the cup. And I think Peter probably turned his face like, I'm not denying him tomorrow. I think that's where he was. I ain't denying him tomorrow. If I'm going to go out, boy, I'm going to go out bold. That was the heart of Peter. And, you know, it shows us this incredible spiritual truth that I pray we come to understand, that death is not something that we should fear. I pray that we grow up in our faith so much that on on our last day we we are more faithful than today. Peter was like that. And don't get me wrong, I don't think, Peter was ready to check out. I think he wanted to run his race well. Um, But I think it's important to recognize that when we study our Bible and we engage the Scripture, God moves us not to fear death itself. And so when I met with the Hoots on Friday to talk about John's service, yes, we grieve the loss of a dear man in our church, But let me tell you something, there's a hope because we didn't lose him. We know exactly where John Hood is right now. It's amazing that Peter slept. But look what happens as he's sleeping. Look at verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And light, a light shone in the cell. Now, I don't know how this worked out. There's 16 guards around. And this is not a quiet deal. This is not, oh, shh. This is a light shown in the cell. Now, how that worked out, I have no idea. But he struck Peter on the side and woke him. And he said, get up quickly. 
and the chains fell off his hands. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard chains fall off something, but, but I, that's not a quiet event. It didn't say they set them quietly down uh, without making any noise. It said they fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. That might have taken a minute. I don't know. I'd probably gotten dressed pretty quickly. But, um, and, and he did so. And he said to them, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. As he went out and followed him, he did not know what was being done. What was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them on its own accord. Now, that's funny too. I have an iron gate in my little backyard, and what does an iron gate do when you open it? Trust me, that's what it sounds like. I know there's a bad interpretation of that. But it makes a noise. It opened for them on its own, and they went along the street, and immediately the angel left him. Now, what's interesting is Peter probably knows people are praying for him, but he doesn't know to the extent. And, 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 I, and I want you to know, there are times that God will, God will say no to our prayers, but can I tell you, you also need to understand there are times that God answers our prayers specifically. And we trust him in both of those. And I think it's fascinating that you see this important lesson for us. We need to engage in specific prayer, in focused prayer, in corporate prayer. Prayer is is vital for our church. It's vital for your life. It's vital for you to be a person that learns to pray. Verse 11, when Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Because they were expecting to kill him. They were expecting him to bring him out. There were 16 soldiers uh, on guard. And in verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When they knocked at the door of the, of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that, that Peter was standing at the gate. Can you imagine her shock? As she, someone's at the door, it's Peter. We're praying for him. And she doesn't even open the door. It's kind of tense, right? Peter's like escaping the guards. I mean, this is something that they're trying to figure out. And, and Peter's knocking, and, and they're like, oh, oh my goodness. And, 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 the, and, and she went to them and said, Peter's at the gate. What are they doing? They're praying for Peter to be rescued. And look what they said to her. Verse 15, they said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. What's interesting is nobody gets up to go check on what Rhoda said. They keep making excuses. Girl, sit down. Girl, you're interrupting our prayer time. Girl, that's just his angel. Like we weren't going to go, well, let's go see the angel, right? Uh, I don't know what they weren't thinking. But Peter continued knocking. 
And when they opened, they saw him. And Luke writes, they were amazed. No stinking kidding. They were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, can you imagine Peter going, shh, shh. He described to them how the Lord brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. So, can you imagine being in that prayer gathering? Going, oh my goodness. Verse 18 talks about what happened the next day. Now, now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Can you imagine that conversation? Dude, where is he? No little disturbance. After Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries, sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. So many questions about this. You know, there, there was, we read today about Peter, a guard that probably knew about that story and thought the disciples got away and was going to kill himself because that would have been much better than Herod's execution of these 16. But yet, here, these men died. You know, you know what's fascinating about this whole story? Is you see the church coming together and experiencing the will of God unfold right in front of their eyes. It's a church that's learned to pray, learned that they need the Lord every day. And, 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 and you know what else you see? You see something about everyday disciples, something that I pray we discover and we continue to see, is that every, everyday disciples discover God's will together. This is part of the church, that we are together to discover the will of God. As we walk together to go, going through the, the, the good times and the bad times, the difficulties, and, and the way that God works that, that, that's not even, that causes us to go, oh my goodness. Like, like Justin, oh my goodness. You need to know this. Justin surprised his mom and dad from the mission field all the way across the world just a few days ago walks out of the woods at a campground in Texas and goes, hey, just to come see his mom and dad. And they drive back two days later, and his dad goes to be with the Lord at 2 in the morning. Keith called me, and his first question was, we got to fly Justin and Hannah home. I go, well, Justin's here. He goes, what? Are you kidding me? And no, he's here. Justin, that was God working in a way. Cheryl, that was God working in a way that in the midst of our sadness, we know God's hand is in all of this. I don't have all the why questions, but I know that God is faithful. And that shows us right there that he is. This week, our church experience God move in the, in the life of the Hoot family. And folks, 
you see God's will being discovered together. I keep thinking about Romans chapter 11. Look at this verse. Romans 11, 33-36. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments. How inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been His counselor or who has given a gift to Him that He might be repaid? Look at this. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. And you see in the life of this church that that difficult circumstances are processed together. And this is what the church came to understand, that, that kingdom purposes are discovered together, that God's power is experienced together. And this is why we've got to be a church that learns to pray. First of all, we've got to be a church. We've got to be a body together, and then we've got to engage the Lord in prayer. And I can't think of a more important time for us to be engaged, focused, and bold than today. You know what else you see in these in this church, and we'll kind of wrap it up here, but you see this amazing truth about these everyday disciples that everyday disciples never quit. You know what? I pray that no matter what comes our way, no matter what challenges we face as Christians, as followers of Jesus, no matter what challenges come in our world, that we never quit. You know what? We've come to understand that kingdom promises overshadow unexpected answers to prayers. God is at work in kingdom ways. His ways are not always my ways. There are times that I will say, Lord, I think this is better, but God says, you have to trust me. Trust my hand. Trust my heart. Trust my revealed will. The revealed will of God, it always trumps our limited human perspective. I have a limited perspective as a human being. God's will, we're learning to trust His will. We're learning to to recognize He is just. He is just in this moment of the, the soldiers being killed who were not believers. God is just in that moment. He's just in, the, in, the, in James being ushered into heaven. He's just in the rescuing of Peter. God's revealed will trumps our limited human perspective. But we also see that together we learn to experience God's power in the highs and in the lows. And this is what we are as a church. This church began to experience the power of God in the ups, in the downs, in the good, in the bad. And we've learned, Lord, we trust you when you give and when you take away. Lord, we trust you in times when you heal from cancer and when you usher into heaven from cancer. We, we trust you in the unexpected moments that come our way. This is what it means to be an everyday disciple of Christ. We pray in the will of God. We, we embrace the will of God. And as this passage unfolds, look at verse 20. You see the justness of God just unfolding. Now Herod was, was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, having been persuaded by Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. 
On, on an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to him, to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. So you know what Herod did? He was so arrogant. He was so rebellious to God that he, 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 he just looked at the face of God and God's people and said, I'm going to kill James. I'm going I'm, I'm to kill these soldiers. And, and then these people came to him as a, as a leader, and he embraced worship as a God. And God said to him, that's it. That's enough. Verse 23, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. There's a Greek term that's not evident in the text, but it's evident from the text. It's called bummer. Like, that's a bummer. And And verse 24 is interesting. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And over and over again, you see in the book of Acts how God's people in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances, in the most difficult of moments in life, in history, God gave them power and strength and the word of God multiplied. Can I just tell you? That's my prayer for our days. It's time to be bolder than we've ever been. It's time to be more disciplined than we've ever been. You know, it's it's more important than Brent, Brent Price playing in the NBA. That's pretty cool. But can I tell you what the NBA is not? It's not eternal. We are serving the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords that speaks to us, that leads us, that guides us, that's called us to these days, that's called us to these moments. And I want to challenge us as a body. I'm challenging my own. I'm I'm talking not at you, but with you. God's word is challenging us as a body to be a people that learn to pray more than just your food. Let's be people that can praise the Lord, that repent well, that bring specific requests to the Lord, and that yield to his voice. Let's start today. You know, because as we do, you'll discover that the will of God comes into view for you. My son wrote a song and it's the kind of the theme song for our podcast, which I, I hope that you take some time with. But this song is called Even When. I mean, I love it that my son wrote it. But it's also just a, reveals some really deep spiritual truths. And the song basically goes like this. Even when my eyes can't see it. Even when my heart can't feel it, my mouth will still repeat it, God, I trust in you. And it goes on in the song and it says, 
Um, my ways, your ways are higher than my ways. And then Eric wrote this incredible lyric. The fact that I can't understand all of you makes you even more worthy of my praise. Because even when my eyes can't see it, even when my heart can't feel it, my mouth will still repeat it. God, I trust in you. Are you struggling to trust the Lord right now? I want you to know that you can come to him. He's trustworthy. Are you struggling to obey the Lord right now? I got to tell you, it's only in following him. It's only in surrendering to him, yielding to him, where you have peace, where you have stability, where you have hope. Rebelling against him never works out. You could ask Herod, but he was eaten by worms, and that is a bummer. But I want you to know rebellion against God is costly. Are you rebelling against him? Can I just just say to you, stop, stop. Are you struggling to seek the Lord right now? You realize that you're not supposed to do that just by yourself. That's why we have a church. That's why we're in this together. That's why we pray for one another. In fact, we have people that are ready to pray. So could our prayer team, could you guys come and stand around? Get around the room. Would you do that? So there's several around the room. And you know, maybe you need somebody to pray for you. You realize that's okay? That's right? You're not supposed to go through life by yourself. We're supposed to be a church together, walking together and encouraging one another. And so let's recognize that God sees you. He's with you. He's drawing you. I'm going to ask you to stand where you are. And as you stand, Josh is going to lead us in this really, really sweet, clear, important song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Trust him today. Lord Jesus, would you move us Would you teach us to be a church that prays? I love you, and I pray you'd guide us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.